0: Hope Ottawa, what a joy it is to worship with you by the grace of our Lord tonight. So thankful for you. All of you watching online, thankful for you too. And uh, we want to see you soon. We want to see you soon. And so we look forward to that time and I exhort you to make sure that you can keep gathering as the saints a priority. And uh, if you're just watching online and you haven't yet visited us here, I pray that you wouldn't be kicking the tires and you would make next week, Lord willing, your first time with us. We would love to meet you. All right, loved ones, let's open up to Acts chapter 9 tonight. Acts chapter 9 verses 19 to 31. Acts 9, 19 to 31. If you do not have a copy of God's word, put up your hand. Our ushers are coming right now, and they want to put a copy of God's word in your lap. And it is on, our text tonight is on page 535 of those Bibles being handed out. Acts 19, 19 to 31. As we continue on our next message in our series, uh, through the book of Acts, verse by verse, line by line. And the title of the series, if you recall, is Strong and Courageous in? Witness. All right, let's do, come on, come on, let's go. <laughs> Strong and Courageous in? Witness. Boom, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Strong and Courageous in Witness. And the title of the message tonight is this, The Missional Mindset. Man, if there's a thing needed in our day for the saints, for the church of Jesus Christ, it is to live with a missional mindset. Let me ask you a question as we launch into this text today. What's your mindset today? What's your mindset today? You might say, well, what what is that? We got to make sure we're on the same page. A mindset, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, is this. A person's way of thinking. You see it right on the screen there, write that down. A mindset is a person's way of thinking. The mindset of a person determines the attitude of the person. The mindset determines how one interprets or responds to a situation. Think about this past week. What was your mindset? How did you respond in situations with your family? What was your attitude with your children, in your jobs, towards the finances God has entrusted to you? How about this one? Here's a big one. When you turned on the news, what was your mindset? What was your way of thinking, how you interpret what's going on? See, loved ones, here's what we must understand Jesus is calling his disciples. He calls us as followers of Christ today to live with a missional mindset. It means if we're going to be faithful on witness, we must have a mindset on him. A mindset on the mission that he has given to us in each situation. The mission, the the glory of Jesus Christ must be on the forefront of our minds in how we interpret a situation, in how we process a situation, and how we engage with that situation. The missional mindset. And you say, well, what's the mission? If you've been here more than a few weeks, I hope this verse is memorized and locked in your heart His mission for us is to be his witnesses. Acts 1.8, this is the actual outline for the entire book of Acts. We see it right here, the key key verse, the theme verse of the book of Acts. Jesus says, but you will receive, say it all together, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. There's the mission. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem locally and all Judea and Samaria nationally and to the end of the earth. Let me ask you a question. You see that, do you have a mindset for the mission? When you turn on the news, when you steward the finances God's given you, when you parent the children he's graced you with, when you care for the spouse that he's put you with, Are you interpreting those opportunities missionally or selfishly? What's your response to situations when they arise? See, I think you see the problem that you and I face right here, and the problem is unbelief. Here's what happens. We actually don't believe that Jesus and the mission of seeing him build his church and his glory fill the earth, we actually don't believe it's the most important thing to live for. We may declare it with our lips, but our lives sure don't show it. Because here's what we need to realize, church. We don't just, do you ever realize this? We don't just naturally drift onto mission. You just naturally drift onto mission, witnessing, making disciples? You just naturally drift to that? Uh, No. We don't naturally drift to a missional mindset. We actually, our flesh naturally drifts away from it. Our mindset naturally drifts away from the missional mindset and onto everything else but it. And what's the result of this? Distraction from the mission, apathy in the mission, fear in the mission, missed opportunities for witness, and ultimately a compromised witness. There is so much at stake with our mindset. And here in our text today, the Lord brings us back to first things first. Here's the big idea. Write this down. Lock this in. Here we go. Kids, kids, hey, hope kids, two to five, make sure you got your pens ready. Make sure you got your clipboards, your notebooks. Write this down. This is life transforming truth right here, okay? Go ahead, write it down. Team, keep it up there so every child in this room, every youth in this room has time to get that down. Jesus has given us a mission, one mission, so live with a missional mindset. Jesus has given us a mission, so live with a missional mindset. Here's our context. The greatest persecutor of the church, Saul, has just had, in the first part of chapter 9, a radical, life-transforming encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. You remember what happened from last week? He's literally blinded by God's glory. He's saved by Jesus. Scales literally fall off his eyes. His spiritual blindness is removed. Oh yeah, he's baptized. I mean, you just call it what it is. It's awesome. Jesus is awesome, isn't he? He's awesome. And now we pick it up in Damascus. Saul's still in Damascus shortly after his conversion where we see that he has now been transformed by Jesus and his mindset has totally shifted. Do you remember what his mindset was in the first part of chapter nine? His mindset has shifted from persecuting Jesus to living for the glory of himself to living for the praise of man. And now it's shifted to proclaiming Jesus from persecuting Jesus to proclaiming Jesus. Talk about a missional mindset transformation, huh? And here in the text, we see three marks of the life that lives with a missional mindset. You say, what, what does it look like? What does it practice? I pray this would be so helpful for us. Let's tune in, let's tune in, lean in. We see three marks in the life living with a missional mindset as a witness for Jesus Christ that we must increasingly ask the Holy Spirit to empower us in if we are to live faithfully as witnesses for Christ, see the salvation for the lost, and Jesus build his church for his glory. You ready to go? I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, lean in. Let's go. But we're going to honor the authority of God's word. Let's stand to read this together. We're not going to read the whole text together tonight. We're just going to read from 19b to 22. Let's read. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Verse 21. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said. Amen, Amen. Lord, help us to get your word and be gotten by your word. All right, let's go, loved ones, here we go. The missional mindset, first thing we see right here, the missional mindset lives with, mark number one, fervent missional engagement. There it is. First mark of someone living with a mission mindset, fervent missional engagement. Here's the question that confronts us out of the first four verses is this. The mission mindset says, get after it. The mission mindset says, get after it. Question, loved ones. Are you living with mission urgency? Are you living with mission urgency? See, we saw in the text we just read that after his conversion, Saul stays with the disciples, that is the Christians, in Damascus for some days. Now I want you to notice the terminology here inspired by the Holy Spirit in verse 20. Saul doesn't sit around kicking the tires after his conversion, does he? He doesn't sit around saying, well, when I can just kind of process everything that happened a little more, when I just know more about Jesus, then maybe I'll get serious about the mission. When when I'm a little more comfortable, when when it isn't as tiring for me. No, no, no. Notice what he does. He doesn't sit around kicking the tires. He's not hiding in fear from those who would oppose him. By the way, Saul knew opposition would come because he used to lead that opposition but he's not sitting around in fear. It says in verse 20 that he what? He Barnabas, or sorry Barnabas. When many days had passed, nope, verse 20. And what does it say? Immediately, immediately. Hey, by the way, did you know what the the, um, Greek term for immediately means? Immediately. (laughs) Like now. Like, get after it. Saul is after it. He is on it, and he marches. Notice what he does. Follow the text. Verse 20, he marches right into the Jewish synagogues. Now, don't forget, the Jewish synagogues, these are Jewish houses of worship, and they're Saul's old stomping ground. He doesn't kind of witness on the fringes. Oh, maybe no one will recognize me. If he goes into the synagogue, you bet Saul's going to be recognized. He was one of the most prominent Pharisees there was. Everybody knew Saul. Saul. He was advancing, Galatians, he says, he was advancing beyond all his peers. Everybody knew Saul. So he doesn't go, oh, maybe I don't want to be recognized and sit right. He goes right into the lion's den. I love that. Talk about missional fervency right there. And what's he doing? <laughs> I love this. He preached that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah. Saul goes right into the synagogue, and starts preaching the gospel. And notice verse 21. Look at, go back to the text. Kids, back to the text, eyes in the book. Verse 21, look at the response of the Jews. All who heard him were amazed. That word, amazed, means they were staggered. Like, what? They were astonished. What? Is, can you just see there's Saul preaching? Okay, hey, Saul, you wanna come up and read some of the Torah? Oh, yeah. And here, by the way, I'm gonna show you how it points to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you just about the looks in the synagogue? What is going on? And notice what they say. Right from the text, they say, wait a second. Isn't this the same Saul who made it his mission and had his mindset fixed? On wreaking havoc, the word havoc there, by the way, means annihilating or destroying. Kind of a big transformation. Wasn't this the same guy who wants to annihilate the church to to destroy Christians? In fact, isn't this the very reason he's even here in Damascus? to arrest Christians and drag them back to Jerusalem to go before the chief priests and and then send them to prison and ultimately death? What is happening? I mean, picture this. Saul, because of the transforming work of Jesus Christ, goes from declaring Jesus is awful to Jesus is awesome. (laughs) This is what's going on in the synagogue. I was like, what? What is happening? But notice verse 22, keep going. Saul continued to increase in strength. Now, don't get me wrong, because if we try to witness on our own strength, we're in big trouble. We're gonna do a face plant, all right? What he's talking about on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when Saul increased in strength, it means the Holy Spirit filled him. Remember Acts 1.8? You will receive power, with the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. So here he is, the Holy Spirit filling him, empowering him for witness with his open heart. I love Saul's open heart right here. Immediately, see what he says? Whoever, Lord, whenever, Lord, wherever, Lord, and however, Lord. The open heart meets the open door. That's explosive for the kingdom. You got an open heart? Fervent missional engagement, open heart meets open door. Boom, watch what God does for his glory. We see it right here. And he fervently went on preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. Every chance he got, whoever, wherever, whenever, however, to the bewilderment of the Jews. See what Saul does right here? Saul gets after it. How many of us are just kicking the can? In our workplaces. In our neighborhoods. You know, one of the things, being a pastor, it's kind of an awkward conversational starter with your neighbors. Because inevitably they ask you, what do you do? You know? So we just, my wife and I just made it a conviction. You know, we've moved, I don't know, eight times now. So it's like every time we get there, I don't want my neighbors living beside me for even six months without knowing that I'm a pastor and hearing about Jesus. So we just said, yeah, I'm a pastor. And they're like, whatever. Sow the seed, get it out there and start living on mission. I just love that. It's just, are we fervent for, are we just kicking the can? Well, I kind of, I speak in front of people. What? You're preaching Jesus, man. See, today, loved ones, this is so important because today, this world tells us to get after, have our mindset on, or be fervent about a lot of things, doesn't it? Have your mindset on the praise of man. Oh, because when people applaud you, that's gonna bring you so much satisfaction. Hey, can I just give you a little spoiler alert? If you live by the praise of man, you will die by the lack of it. It will crush you. Many a man, Proverbs says, proclaims his steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. We spend, have your mindset, put your time, your talent, and your treasures. By the way, how we steward our finances and possessions is a great indicator of our missional mindset we're living with. All of that towards building your own platform. The mindset of me first, my comfort, my convenience. Even good things, loved ones. God's not against good things. In fact, he's completely, perfectly good. All that he does is good. He's not against good things. But even good things like hobbies, we can be so fervent about, eh? Engage it with fervency. I'm more fervent, God help us, if we are more fervent over sports than the gospel. God help us if we are more fervent over our jobs, if we're more fervent over our sewing clubs, if we're more fervent over pets, if we're mo- than witnessing in the gospel. Loved ones, fervent, missional engagement. See, because here's the thing: possessions, family, jobs, schools, because loved ones. Let's let's lock into the reality: the devil doesn't care what you're fervent about as long as it's not Jesus. He doesn't care. As long as it's not Jesus. And yet as Christians, here's a question we're confronted with. Are we most fervent about what matters most to God? What he's fervent most about, which is Jesus Christ and the mission that he's entrusted to us. Hey, loved ones, are we getting after that? Where do you need to get after that next? Are we getting after him? Living with the missional urgency right where God has sown us in his sovereignty into the communities he's sown us in? You know, one of my favorite verses in scripture, it literally, I say that, it's the whole Bible, but this one has really stood out for me over many years. Romans 12, 11. It says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Fervent, missional. By the way, that Greek word fervent means to boil hot. Zeo, boil hot. Hot, passionate, urgency. The missional mindset says, get after it. I'm getting after it. Whoever, wherever, however, whenever. Question, church, are you living with missional urgency? Something I gotta ask myself every single day in your workplaces, in your families, in the neighborhoods, in the grocery store, in the Timmy's line, in your classrooms, kids in your classrooms, youth in your classrooms, on your sports teams, in how we give sacrificially, generously, joyfully of our time, talents, and treasures. Because the reality is there's no faithful stewardship of those things without a missional mindset. Can't have it. And they're God's and he's entrusted them to you and I. Or are we kicking the tires in apathy, pursuing Christ, pursuing the mission he's given us um, with whatever's just left over after you and I have pursued ourselves? Are we asking the Holy Spirit to stir up in us each day strength and an open heart to meet the open door because we can't notice Saul. We cannot generate fervency on our own. It won't last. It's supernatural power from strength from the Lord. Think, think, think. And think about this. When we talk about urgency, you're like, really, that urgent? We are now, here we are, November 25th, right? 2023, we are now the closest we've ever been in human history to the return of Jesus Christ. Where do you and I need to, as Romans 13, 11 says, wake from our sleep? Where, loved ones? This is time for urgency, not apathy. The missional mindset lives with a fervent missional engagement. And with this, mark number two in the life, get your pens ready, here we go. We see a courageous missional focus. So it lives with a fervent missional engagement and a courageous missional focus. See, opposite, here's what we gotta realize. When we we live on mission for Jesus Christ, opposition will come. Jesus promises us that. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Opposition will come, but God is sovereign. Hey, question facing you and I on this. Will you trust him and stay mission focused? Will you trust him in that opposition and stay mission focused? Look at verses 23 to 25. Go back to the text, so good. All right, everyone, eyes in the book. Let's do this. Saul escapes from Damascus. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gate. Can't you just see this going on in Damascus? Spies at the gates. They're watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. Saul's got a death warrant on his life. But, verse 25, his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Saul gets put out with the laundry. Wow! Don't even say the Christian life is boring. You've never lived it if that's the case. Come on, laundry baskets. See, here's the reality. Not everyone is happy about Saul's transformed life and his new mindset, folks. Did you catch that? Not everybody's happy. And the same for today. Be encouraged as we live on mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not everyone will be happy with you as you live with a mindset on mission, not every family member will like it. When you speak the truth in love and you witness to Jesus Christ, you might be labeled the black sheep of your Christmas gathering. Not everyone's gonna like it. Your coworkers might not invite you to the staff party. They might, oh, there's a Christian. Your neighbors, maybe you're not on their New Year's party list. Although we're still on it, That's cool. That's neat, yes, yes. But not everyone is gonna be happy about it. See, after many days, notice what, what the Jews do in Damascus. After many days, they plot to kill Saul. Well, that didn't take long. The hunter has now become the hunted. Now, let's get some clarity in talking about when many days passed there. In verse 23, Saul goes on to elaborate this in Galatians 1:17 to 18. This is after about three years, Saul had left Damascus and he headed to Arabia. You'll see a picture here, a map. So Arabia, right there. So he scoots over to Arabia. He spends three years in Arabia, growing in the Lord, being taught by the Lord. And then he came back to Damascus and preached. And this is when people arose against him. Now, Notice God's sovereignty in overcoming the opposition. Did you see it in the text? Go back to verse 24. He enables Saul to find out about the plot and to know his enemies were closely watching the gate. Now you say, what about gate? Well, Damascus was a walled city. Here, here's a picture of it. This is from the U.S. Congress archives. This is old Damascus. So you can just see Paul going over in a laundry basket. But this is what, they had gates to the city. And as such, notice what his disciples, his followers do. He had followers at this time. They hatch an escape plan to lower him through the wall opening in a basket And then look what happens when he leaves Damascus and heads to Jerusalem. Keep reading in the text, 26 to 30. Let's go. Saul in Jerusalem now. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, love Barnabas, he took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. He's testifying. He's standing up for Saul. He had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he'd preach boldly in the name of Jesus, 28. So he went in and out among them, the disciples at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. Well, there we go again. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off. See, Saul gets to Jerusalem. It's one thing to be rejected by those outside the church, isn't it? It's another thing to be rejected by those inside, those who are supposed to be your brothers and sisters. See what happens to Saul? Now he goes into the church, and the Christians there don't believe. They don't believe the best about Saul. According to 1 Corinthians 13, that's unloving and sinful. They don't believe the best about him. They don't believe that his conversion story is true. And notice, they're all afraid of him and they're avoiding him. They knew his reputation. They thought he was there to infiltrate the ranks. You notice this. By the way, that that word there where it says they're afraid of him, it means they withdraw from him. They isolate him and withdraw Think about how discouraging that would be for you. It's discouraging for me. The brothers and sisters only have a piece of information. They don't have the whole story. But they're sure, aren't we apt to do the same? I see the whole picture. So I'm going to withdraw and isolate. And then I'm going to reject the apostle, by the way, who's chosen to lead those people and shepherd them for the glory of Christ. That hurts a lot, and it still does today. They withdraw from him, and notice, okay, the first opposition, Jews in Damascus, they reject him, want to kill him. And now the second opposition, his own brothers and sisters. In Jerusalem, they don't want anything to do with them. Talk about a reason to be discouraged, hey, loved ones? If there was anyone who could lose their focus for the mission, it was Saul right here. The courage to keep going in the face of rejection. But notice this, be encouraged with this, loved ones. Notice God's sovereignty how he overcomes this opposition. Did you see it in the text? God turns the heart of one disciple. Who is he? Who's he in the text? Barnabas. He turns the heart of Barnabas. Acts 4:36 if you remember from there, Barnabas aptly named the son of encouragement. Oh, what a name. What a description. What a thing to be known as. The son of encouragement. The daughter of encouragement. Not look at Barnabas. He's not holding on to bitterness. He's not assuming the worst. He's not listening to the gossip and babble that's going on. Notice what he does. He's not holding on to anger and unforgiveness. He goes right to Saul. And in verse 27, he takes him, by the way, and it says he, he brings him or brought him. Do you know what that means? The picture of the Greek is literally he takes Paul by the collar. He says, Paul, I know you're discouraged. Paul, I know these people are rejecting you, but I'm standing up for you and I'm bringing you right to the disciples. I'm gonna bring you right to the apostles because you are a brother in the Lord and we will not tolerate this. Are you and I tolerating that? brings them to the destination. And he brings them to the leaders. And we know from Galatians 1.18, as Paul expands on this, we know these disciples here, he brings them to the leaders are Peter and James. It's not the full 12. And he affirms that Saul's conversion story, Barnabas does this, is true. And he's been preaching Christ boldly. He sheds the truth. No more half stories. Preaching boldly about Christ and they believe Barnabas and Saul by the sovereignty of God is able to stay with the disciples in Jerusalem and he stays 15 days. We know from Galatians, Saul stays 15 days with them and he continues to, what's he doing? What's he doing? Well, he's got a fervent missional engagement. He's got a courageous missional focus. So look at 28, what's he doing? Preaching boldly. The term boldly there means fearlessly and courageously. You think it took courage for Saul to stay on mission right now? Rejection after rejection. And it takes courage for you and I today in the face of rejection and hurt and pain and opposition. He preaches boldly in the name of, that is, in the power of the Lord Jesus. In verse 29, notice what happens. It's not long before he starts disputing, that is, de- debating with this group again. Remember, we looked at them in Acts 7. Here they are back again, the Hellenists the Greek-speaking Jews. He's debating with them about Jesus being the Messiah. Now, the Hellenists, if you recall, these were Jews from the dispersion in 722 BC. The northern kingdom of Israel is exiled by Assyria, and then they come back. But they're not, quote-unquote, as the people in Judah would say, pure Jews. They've intermixed with other races but they had come back now to Jerusalem and they had their own synagogues, if you recall from Acts 7, when they disputed Stephen. And notice, remember from Acts 6 and 7, they couldn't go toe-to-toe with him and eventually killed Stephen, stoning. What a, what a moment that was. But here they can't handle Saul either because they can't handle the power of God in him. And so what do they do? Same thing they decided to do with Stephen. Oh, we're gonna kill him. Any argument. And I want you to notice God's sovereignty again, how he overcomes the opposition. Verse 30, did you see it? Eyes back in the book, verse 30. The brothers, the Christians learn of the plot. How do they learn of the plot? Acts 22, 17, on the second testimony of Saul is giving his testimony of his conversion, Jesus actually told Saul in a revelation that this plot was coming. Sovereignty. He's protecting his servant And the Christians escort Saul to Caesarea, notice the text, and send him home to his town, Tarsus. That's why he's called Saul of Tarsus. So here's what happened. Let's get our head around this. Little geography here. You'll see it on the screen. He's he's in Damascus, and then they take him down to Caesarea. That's where Philip has a house, remember? There's Philip with his four daughters. Praise the Lord for them. And then they ship him off back to Tarsus, where Saul goes on preaching the gospel. And it's about eight years that he stays there And that's modern-day Turkey. And this is why Saul is not mentioned again in the book of Acts until chapter 11. He's in Tarsus for around eight years when Barnabas, of all people, comes to get him and takes him to Antioch to minister there. And you see God's sovereignty even have Barnabas being the one to encourage Saul because Barnabas is gonna be Saul's first missionary partner on the first missionary journey. You already see him molding the heart. The heart of a king is a stream of water in the hands of the Lord and he turns it any way he wishes. Proverbs 21:1 says. That's amazing. Look at God is faithful to supply an advocate. He is faithful to supply a brother or sister to care in his sovereignty when others reject or oppose. Now live in the text. Put yourself in Saul's shoes. Would you be fearful with all this opposition coming against you? You're a brand new Christian. Would you be fearful? Would you be distracted from the mission? I don't know if I should go on. Would you be discouraged? Losing your missional focus or the mindset because of the opposition that comes against you? The rejection not only from those you're witnessing to outside of the church, but also, and I think even more painfully so, those who are your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. You're witnessing, but many just want to kill you and reject you, and your own family, the family of God, doesn't even believe the best about you or trust you. You ever had this, loved ones? You're trying to witness, and it just seems fruitless as the rejection and opposition piles on with that person, the hostility. You could be discouraged, can't you? You can be discouraged. We need courageous missional focus in those moments. That God is sovereign and he's overcoming opposition. He doesn't say he's going to remove opposition. He says he's going to overcome that in that heart or in you by the by his power for his glory. Or even in the church here, when we speak, like Saul's doing right here, he's trying to speak the truth and love to brothers and sisters he loves so much. And he's an apostle. He's been called by Christ to shepherd them and lay his life down for them. And here he is trying to do that. It's like, get out of here. I'm withdrawing from you. I'm gonna stay fixed in a lie. I'm not gonna believe the best. I'm gonna withdraw. It hurts. Hey, you know what we have to realize, what we see right here, why I love the Holy Spirit's description of the life of Saul? Church leaders are human too. And it really hurts. When those that you love and seek to shepherd faithfully, I'm not going to believe the best. I'm going to assume the worst. And I'm gone. Welcome to the life of Saul. It takes courage to continue to live with a missional focus in those moments. To live for someone bigger than yourself in those moments. You're witnessing, but many just... Reject you, but can I just encourage you? This is one commentator said Jesus never promised that living on mission would be easy, but he promised us that he's sovereign and will guide our steps, and no opposition can stop him. Courage, loved ones. And recall the devil doesn't have to destroy a Christian to render them ineffective, he just has to distract them. I heard one pastor say recently, he just has to wound us enough into distraction. Has the devil done that for you? Has he wounded you enough into distraction? I'm not gonna do it anymore. Fear, I'm not gonna speak the truth in love anymore. The rejection, the hostility. Has he wounded you enough into distraction yet? Trust him, loved ones. Cast that hurt on the Lord. I don't know what you're going through right now in your witness, but cast that on the Lord. Trust him and stay focused. It's not easy, but his grace is sufficient, amen? His grace is sufficient. Opposition will come, but God is sovereign. Will you trust him, loved one, and stay mission-focused? Keep proclaiming the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit in your situation right now. What's that? Rejection, opposition from those around you as you shared Jesus with them? Maybe, maybe right now for you, it's discouragement. Like Saul's battling here, no doubt, he's human. Discouragement, hurt by another brother or sister who didn't believe the best about you. In that moment, right now, right where you are, Will you trust that God is sovereign and at work even if you can't see it and he's working it out for his glory and your good? Will you trust it? Make this our prayer right here. Lord, increase my faith and help my unbelief. We don't persevere on mission without a courageous missional focus. The fear of man will become too big a snare. We don't persevere without it. It takes courage. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief that you have ordained this and you will use it for my good and your glory. Or will you, here's another application right here. Will you like Barnabas? Okay, oh, I pray this church is filled with Barnabases. Oh, will you like Barnabas be a source of encouragement to another brother or sister? Will you be a source of encouragement, loved ones, extending true forgiveness, extending grace, believing the best and being used by the Lord to encourage them to trust in the Lord and stay strong and courageous in your, in your witness. Hey, can I just encourage each of us here? Never think anyone is beyond the need for gospel encouragement, ever. They may look really packaged when they come here. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe looking really packaged, but in desperate need of a word of the Lord of encouragement from a loving brother or sister. Hey, 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 let's be filled in this church, With sons and daughters of encouragement. Hey, youth, you too. Kids, you too. Sons or daughters of encouragement. Take the five for five challenge this week. Five for five. Encourage at least five people in this church for five days this week. Five new people every day. Send the text. Make the phone call. Send the email. You never know who's in need of that. You don't know how the opposition's hitting them. Five for five challenge. Extend it, don't make it about you. Stop looking inwardly, outwardly. Look at Barnabas, who has God put around you. This is why Hebrews 10 makes it so clear. This is why we don't stop gathering. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Encourage one another in the faith, not neglecting to meet together. Isolation just breeds so much disaster encouraging one another all the more as you see the day. See the urgency? As you see the day drawing near. That's missional mindset. My brother or sister needs encouragement. I'm there. I'm taking them by the collar, saying, let's go. Who's God put around you? The missional mindset lives with fervent missional engagement, a courageous missional focus. And lastly, hang with me. Here we go. Last point right here. All this is the outflow of, verse 31, fruitful missional priorities. Fruitful, missional priorities. See, loved ones, keeping mission priorities leads to mission fruitfulness. Keeping mission priorities leads to mission fruitfulness. Question facing you and I, will you prioritize them? Will you and I prioritize God's priorities? Look at verse 31 as we close out. 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Look at this beautiful work. It multiplied. See, here Luke gives a summary statement of where the church is after all that's happened from Acts chapter one to Acts chapter nine. Here's the summary. Jesus is fulfilling his promise, Acts 1.8, to build his church by his power for his glory through his witnesses. And notice this, all throughout Judea and Samaria, Galilee is part of Samaria, had peace. You know what that means? Freedom from external persecution. Saul's no longer persecuting them. That's a big deal. Freedom, peace. And the church, notice what's happening to the church is being built up. That term, the picture there means building a house, growing in Christ likeness and multiplying. You can't stop the church. You can't stop the gospel. It's multiplying. God's means of doing this. Did you see it in the text? Verse 31. The church keeps his priorities. Number one, we see it right here. Verse 31. A reverence for God. 31. Go back to the text. And walking in the fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord. Not just one moment or day of the week. This verb is active. It's ongoing. Not just one moment or day of the week. But every day. The fear of the Lord means a reverence for God, an honor of him, a love for him, a walking in prompt obedience to him, holiness in him, repentance before him, humility before him, and devotion to him. It's keeping God's priorities first things first in witness. That's, you, you can even look at that list and be like, oh man, I need a savior big time. Because we can't do that on our own. It means we're not standing still, but witnessing in the fear of the Lord. You'll see it on the screen. Fruitfulness is the outflow of faithful obedience. And fruitfulness, that's not box God in. You don't know what it's going to look like. Fruitfulness could be him working in that heart, and you don't see it for years. But fruitfulness is the outflow of faithful obedience. So that's the first thing. Reverence for God. Missional priority number one. Missional priority number two. Do you see it in the text? Dependence on God. Dependence on, go back to 31. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. The word comfort there means the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through encouragement and urging. Our comforter. The church lived in dependence on the Spirit. They knew it was his power alone that builds the church and not our efforts or in our strength. And they were in step with him and lived on mission with a spirit-empowered comfort and obedience, knowing they couldn't do it on their own, and neither can you or I. And so today, we look and be like, really, those are the two priorities? Those are the two priorities for witness, fruitful witness, what? Today you look around this, and we think, we look at the state of the world, the chaos, the opposition, and we think we need to move away from God's missional priorities of reverence for him, dependence on him, don't we? You gotta think there's gotta be something, something more advanced. These are just too simple. These seem too foolish to do anything. And the result is we seek out man-made, humanistic, ultimately powerless strategies to see Jesus build his church. They're powerless. Doesn't the darkness seem too dark? The division conflict seem too great? Hearts seem too hard? Opposition seem too much? Yet here is word again from Isaiah 66 too. You'll see it on the screen right there. This is the one to whom I'm gonna look. That means this is the one who's gonna have my favor. He who is, same things we see right here in Acts 9. humble. And contrite in spirit. Hebrew for contrite there means crippled in foot. You can't even get up. You're dependent on him. Crippled in foot, spirit. And what? Trembles at my word. What's that? A fear of the Lord. Nothing's changed. Jesus knows what he's doing. Are we keeping his priorities? Keeping mission priorities leads to mission fruitfulness. Will you prioritize them? Okay, self-assessment as we close. What are you revering more than the Lord? man's opinion of you, your job, yourself, your sin, no repentance, even if a loving brother or sister has come and spoken to you, no repentance, just defensiveness, or the word of God has been a mirror for your soul by the spirit, sin practice ongoing, where are you cherishing that iniquity? What are you reverencing more than the Lord right now? And secondly, dependency, where are you walking out of step with the spirit? Where dependency on the Lord is is replaced with dependency on self or other things. I can so easily go into that. Dependent on myself. To try to do what only God can. Loved ones, hey, 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 eyes up. The Lord is calling us back to first things first. He's calling his church back today to first things first. First things first. Jesus has given us a mission. Big idea. So live with a missional mindset. And the greatest thing is he didn't just give us the mission. He gave us all we need to live this way through the shed blood of our savior, Jesus Christ. God's only son, the author, perfecter of our faith, who's gone before us. That's so encouraging. And lived as fully God, fully man for 33 years. Lived on mission perfectly with a missional mindset, a fervent mission engagement at all times and each opportunity. In fact, scripture describes Jesus as the zeal for the house of the Lord consumed him. That's awesome. Fervent missional engagement. He lived with courageous missional focus when oppositions and distractions arose, when all of his disciples abandoned him to be alone. Yet he trusted in the plan and purposes of the Father. See, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Jesus took the rejection that you and I are so afraid of. He took the rejection on the cross, and instead, if you're saved in him, you've repented of your sin, confessed him as Lord, he has adopted you to a place of 100% security in him. And there's nothing that can snatch you from his hand. Nothing that can snatch you from his hand. He took the rejection and gave us acceptance. So we can live with courageous missional focus, even in the face of rejection, and keep going, because the gospel is true. Amen? Amen. He lived with courageous missional focus and he kept the fruitful missional priorities of reverence for the Father and dependence on the Spirit all the way to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin in our place so that in him, we may have the forgiveness of sin, eternal life and be his witnesses to the end of the earth. Behold the beautiful gospel. So if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your savior Will you hear the testimony of the witnesses across the ages that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He is the Messiah, and will you repent of your sin and confess him as Lord? Jesus has paid it all for you. Will you come to him? And brothers and sisters who've made that decision, what will your mindset be today, tomorrow, and in the days ahead? Loved ones, we got one mission, one Savior gave us one unstoppable promise that he would build his church let's go let's pray Lord Jesus Christ you are an awesome awesome God there is none like you I thank you you tell us to fix our eyes on you the author and perfecter of our faith there is no hope without you there is no life without you there is no faithful witness without you and there is no mission fulfillment without you You are our king, and we desperately need you. And I pray in in your name, Jesus, that you would see this precious church and hear the cry of every prayer. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Would you give courage to those who are fearful today? Would you give fervency to those who are apathetic today? And would you give your priorities to those who are distracted today? You have paid it all, Help us to hear our Savior say, I know your strength is indeed is small, but child of weakness, watch and pray and find in me thine all in all. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, will you stand and respond with us today?